one of the classes I learned that was in the listening techniques class, which is basically like practicing the evaluation technique of when your hands on somebody, like paying attention to where you're feeling the, the, the restriction or the pull. And I was like having a hard time feeling it, which most physical therapists and athletic trainers do when they go to those classes because they're thinkers. And he said, when you have your hand on the body, that is not the time to think about the anatomy. You are only paying attention to what you feel. If your hand is on someone, you are not allowed to think. And he's like, if you want to think, take your hand off of them. And so I'm like, okay. And so I put my hand back on them. And he's like, this describe what you feel. And in that moment, everything switched for me. I was like, oh my God, I get it. Like, I get it. podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the movement maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the maestro and you're about to get maestro Three, Three, two, one. Hey you guys, Maestro here and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today I have with me a guest that I am super pumped to have on and super grateful that she found the time. She's all over the world, all the time, always on plane. She's like a geography master, actually. If you follow her stories, you'd see this. But I met her through the power of Instagram. She is an athletic trainer who travels the country, the world. She teaches, she treats, she has her own mentorship. She's trained in vinyasa yoga. She's trained in Pilates. She does all of this amazing visceral work, which we're definitely going to talk about. And I think that her story in general is just truly, truly inspiring. And I knew as soon as I met her, I was like, I got to bring you on the podcast. So without further ado, coming to you from a different state, probably every time, my good friend, Anna Hartman. Welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you. I'm so happy to be on it. I'm super pumped to share with all your this people. This is awesome. That with you. This is, I know, this is so, so dope. So I'm going to flip it over to you just right from the jump. Can you tell us a little about your background? How you got to, how you got started in ATC? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it can be a long story. I can be long-winded, so I'll try to not take the whole time. Let it rip. Telling you about myself. But, um, I mean, I originally got into athletic training sort of, um, it was well, it was a little bit of my backup plan was going to college. Um, I originally went to college for architecture, and I went to University of Oregon. But my backup oh. plan was picking a school that had like a exercise science um, uh, degree, too, because... I thought if architecture didn't work out, I wanted to go to physical therapy school. So, and I wanted to do that because um, I had a lot of injuries as an athlete in high school, and so spent a lot of time gotcha. in the physical therapy clinic and thought it was um, would be a cool job. And um, my my grandpa was a pediatrician, so I've always been sort of in the medical world. Um, so it was kind of an easy thought process, and I love science. So I'm like, oh, that's a good backup plan, and. When I got to University of Oregon, architecture was like way too much work and um, really <laughs> kind of uh, went back to like rudimentary, like boring stuff, in my opinion. I yeah. like draft and draw houses like I was doing in high school. And and uh, so I was like, oh, I don't think I want to do this. So I went to the exercise and movement science uh, department and I met with the, um, like the department head there and he told me, he's like, oh, okay, it's cool that you want to go to physical therapy school. This would be the program that you do to go there. But have you ever considered athletic training? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And he goes, did you play sports? I said, yeah. He goes, you guys didn't have one. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. And he described what they did. And I was like, he goes, you know, the people who come out on the field when somebody gets hurt. And I was like, oh, oh, Ah. what that woman did in that high school <laughs> it's like i thought well and I, I thought she was legit one of the parents of the football players so <laughs> i thought she just was like a mom helping out and would occasionally <laughs> take our ankles and give us like a first aid kit to take to oh my god and so i was like i had 
no idea that was an actual job. And I was like, that sounds even cooler than physical therapy school. So yeah, sign me up. And I started an internship that um, quarter and I fell in love with it. And Oregon didn't actually have an athletic training undergrad program at the time. They only had a graduate program. And so I sort of created my own program for myself. Um, I audited a lot of the grad programs. I sort of was the mentality. I, I worked a lot in high school that I was used to working. And so I sort of just reached out to different athletic trainers at the school or used and used him, my advisor, quite a bit of like places to get my feet in the door for internships or free help, as I called it. And I just sort of created my own program. And so that's how I did it. I, I spent and then the um, athletic department at University of Oregon allowed uh, me and another um, two undergrad students to be interns it was the first time they ever first and I think maybe even last time they ever allowed undergrad students to help out with the football and basketball and softball teams and and it was just such a cool opportunity and then from there I always I loved baseball so I wanted to be a um, baseball athletic trainer and um, so I had this idea like maybe my junior year of college and I said went to my advisor and I said hey Rick like I want to work for a baseball team. So I had this idea. What if I send letters to all the head athletic trainers for all the major league baseball teams on the West coast and see if they need help during spring training. And, you know, this was before email and stuff. So I, um, which just showed my age, but I I typed up all all these letters and I mailed them out. And well, and before I mailed them out, he said, Oh, did you know that the, Seattle Mariners athletic trainers, their University of Oregon alum. And I was like, I didn't know that. He's like, yeah, I know them really well. Why don't you tell them I, I recommend you? And I was like, okay, sure. So I name dropped his name in the letter and I sent off like, I don't know, like 15 different letters to all these different teams. And um, two days later, like literally what? two days later, I got a phone call on the landline <laughs> before cell phones uh, from Rick Griffin, the head athletic trainer at the time for the Seattle Mariners. And he was like, I got your letter. We would love to have you. Unfortunately, I can't at the major league level, but I'm going to connect you with our rehab coordinator in Arizona. And um, he's also an Oregon grad. And let's get you helping out in the summertime. And I was like, OK, great. And so I talked to him and arranged for that summer to go down to Arizona and do an internship. And I did that. And then I went back to school. And then the following summer, I came out again. By the time I went back out for the second summer, I had, that was my final year of um, college. And I had decided to go to grad school in Arizona at A.T. Still University, um, Arizona School of Health Sciences. They had a graduate program that was like one of the better known uh, postgraduate athletic training programs. And I felt like I needed like an actual real athletic training curriculum. And so I decided to go mm-hmm. there. And so before school started, I was doing that second year of internship for the Seattle Mariners. And I was sitting in my um, apartment reading a magazine called Phoenix, the magazine. And they had this one page article on this facility in Tempe called Athletes Performance, where baseball players like Nomar Garcia Parra would go and train in the offseason. Mia Hamm, who I was a huge fan of growing up. Mm-hmm, train in yeah. the off season to get ready for their season and then there was this concept that it was this business that had everything an athlete would need under one roof in order to prepare for the off season and I thought to myself well that's cool and if I want to work in professional sports I think it would make sense for me to understand the strength and conditioning side of things and the performance training side of things and so I was like I wonder if they have if they'd be up for an intern and so I called like totally called cold called them and I was like yeah I'm an athletic trainer I I was curious if you do if you have an internship or would be interested in an intern and uh they put me in contact with the like director they had an internship program they put me in contact with him his name was Craig Friedman and he was like you know we don't normally do part-time interns our internship is like you know, 16 week program through schools and it's full time. People, you know, like take a semester off and come do it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like, big. But given your experience with, in baseball and in, in athletics, he's like, I feel like maybe we need to make it um, like maybe we can make it work. Why don't you come down for an in-person interview? And I was like, OK, great. So I went down there and I talked to him and he was like, yeah, I, th- I think you'd be great. I think we should do this. And so he's like, let's just 
he's like, let's, how about we do like a combination of you doing a strength and conditioning internship and a physical therapy clinic type internship? He's like, why don't you talk to the, uh, our new physical therapist, Sue Falsoni, and see if she'd be open to have you too. And I was like, okay, great. And so super small world. Sue used to work at the one of the actual clinics wow. that I had a rotation at grad school. Huh. And I'd see her name on the door and I'd be like, who is this lady? I see your name, but I haven't met her yet. Well, it turns out she had recently quit to go work for Athletes Performance. <laughs> and so uh, I talked to her. Uh, we hit it off. And that, and so that's, we set it up. And I started that following January um, as an intern. And I basically spent all of my time outside of class uh, at Athletes Performance. And I literally like strength and conditioning was so new to me. And for, so the first eight weeks of the internship, I was with the coaches. So Luke Richardson and Daryl Eto were my coaches and it was during combine. And I was like, they didn't know quite how to utilize me since I was part-time. Mm-hmm. I ended up being sort of like a, I observed a lot and I was basically like, if they needed equipment they're like, Anna, could you grab this? And I was like, yeah, sure. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, why not? Then I did all the other stuff like make shakes and all that kind of stuff. And I, I barely wow. talked to them. I just observed and learned and listened. And then it's after, fine. Eight, yeah. after eight weeks, I started helping Sue and she needed the help. It was just her and uh, Jeremy Hassler, this uh, athletic trainer and massage therapist working together. And so I started helping her and like literally became her like right hand woman. And um, just then when the internship ended, they used to have like a three or four week break between internship groups. And I said, since I lived in Arizona, I said, well, would you guys like some help during that time to transition? You know, somebody still watch, wash towels and do shakes and help out with the patients and athletes. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, stay on. And so I stayed on. And then when the new intern group came, they were like, oh, well, actually, could you educate them on how to do everything? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I did that. And then it's sort of like the joke is like I just hung around long enough where they felt like they had to start paying me. And I created they created a um, part time position for me and I worked there all through graduate school and by the time I was done with graduate school I was like screw major league baseball like I want to work here like this is amazing this is utopia I've met like I'd never seen all the different professions work together seamlessly integrated like that and it was just like so amazing and I was hired as like employee number 15 so we were like still creating everything you know and now it's exos wow yeah, it's exos. I was gonna say I was like I was waiting for you to like drop that bomb so people yeah, listening so and be like, what? So it's like it's now like over four thousand people, you know, work for exos. Yeah. Like, it was such an amazing experience to be on the ground floor of that and be part of creating everything, like creating the programs, creating the education programs, creating like just doing so much and learning so much. They were just huge on education. I was exposed to so many different types of learning from the staff that was there, which was the most amazing staff, Um, you know, obviously headed by Mark Versigan, who is like just such an amazing man and coach. And it it was just, I can't, I, I felt in some way I felt like so lucky to have like stumbled upon it, but it was like, you, you know, when you look back, it was like not luck at all. Like I just, Never yes. took thank you answer, and I just well, and it wasn't like I didn't take no for an answer. It was just like I didn't see no being like a roadblock. It was just like, well, at least yeah. I can do is to ask somebody if they need help, and to ask somebody if I can observe and ask if you know, just ask to be there. And if they say no, no big deal. There's all these other people I could ask, and so, um, dude, Anna, where did this come from? I was actually gonna like tease this out. You're doing amazing things now. So if someone wants to just look at your Instagram and, and follow you, they'd be like, oh, my God, like this girl, she's, she's like working professional athlete. She's like on plane. She's like doing this all amazing stuff. But like you literally built this brick by brick. You sent yeah. out letters. Like I don't even want to go to the post office. It's down the block from me. I don't even want to go now. You sent out letters. Like you yeah. built this. Where did this come from, this drive to do this? Like th- – <laughs> This is just innate? Like, uh, I guess it's just innate. Like, well, I mean, I have kind of no idea, but it's just sort of been my mentality <laughs> my whole life. But it's probably for my mom. I mean, my mom was 
a single mom. She raised me and my sister with the support of my grandparents. But like she put herself through school. She got her CPA. She like took so much pride in in, um, being able to give us everything that we ever wanted um, and do it on her own. And I just always thought her work so hard. And and my dad was in the picture and he worked hard too. He, He had a family run business. So it's like... I never, like, I got good examples of people just, like, creating their own way, like, doing it their own way. And I, yeah, but just by observation, that just rubbed off on us. And, and, like, even in high school, in junior high school, I literally tried out for, like, basketball, volleyball every year from seventh grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade. I tried out and didn't make the team every season and sometimes i you know the coach would like list out like the top you know it'd be ranked like the top person was the person on the list and like if and so many times i was like person number 15 and there was only 14 people on the team and so it's like i just missed it and so Uh and i it's so crazy because there are times i remember coming home from a tryout and not making the team and crying to my mom and her consoling me but never being like like there was it was like I cried and then I moved on and then the next day I was like well next year I'm gonna make the team like next like next season I'm gonna make the team. wow and I don't know like I'm like I don't know how that I I look back and I'm like holy crap like I just was okay with making yeah. the team for like seven seasons and then finally like in 10th grade well the su- spring of ninth grade my friends were like you should have you ever played soccer? It's really fun. You should play. And I was like, ah, no, but it's like all I'm down to hang out with you guys. <laughs> I did like, club soccer in the spring, just playing around with friends. And then I did a couple camps in the summer and I ended up like liking it. And so my friends are like, you should try out for the soccer team. And, and we only had a varsity team in high school. There was not like different levels. And I was like, I don't know. And they're like, just do it. And so I did it and I freaking made the team. And I was like, oh, that's my girl. Crap. I had to the team, and it was such a fun experience. But it, I, it literally was not until all this social media stuff and like writing copy and like writing stories that I even was able to look back yeah. on that experience and be like, shit, like I yeah. weird, and I just like didn't take no for an answer, and I just like kept forward. You, you did this forward, and yeah, I did it. You literally built this like i love that you actually brought that up about writing it out you guys listening i put i did an episode i don't even know how long ago but an episode was all about my journey and i encourage you guys to do the same and just write out because it's so easy to look ahead and see the things that we haven't done yet and to look at everybody else and see what they've done we don't look back on our own story and then when you, when you actually sit and write it out you're oftentimes like wow actually i've done a lot and you know if you tease out how you got there like anna's a perfect example like dude I'm still floored by the writing the letters and like I'm imagining there's like a fax machine involved in this somehow like this is absolutely incredible so how did you get from bridge the gap for me here I'm like gonna do some like Sufa Sony language here how did you get from doing like all these internships and like dude first of all I should probably highlight that also like taking these jobs where you're making shakes and grabbing equipment and and learning so much. Like I think that there's so many people nowadays that just like turn their nose up at that and they're like, yeah. no, that's beneath me, below me. Like, listen to this woman and her story. Yeah. How did you go from, from that to doing what you're doing now and, and maybe tell people what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, yeah, the whole t- taking the internships thing, it's like, um, I never, it was, no thing was ever beneath me. I think that sometimes too, like just a little bit of the athletic training mentality, because that is like the standard way you start out in the athletic training world is like holding water and, um, <laughs> and cleaning up things. And so yeah, I, that was just the way it was. I never really questioned, like, like I never crossed my mind yeah. that I was doing this like menial work with, because it's not menial. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that was, Exactly. That was the thing too is like it's part of their it's part of the experience you're creating for the athlete and the customer and and so it's like everybody should be involved on that level of menial work, no matter whether. Right. So, but right. anyways, how did I get from there to there? So, over the years, yeah. um, over the years at 
at Exos is just as the company got bigger and um, I learned more and more things. So one of the big things was um, my mom got diagnosed with lung cancer in 2011, I think it was. And um, it was a time in my career that I was kind of feeling burnt out anyways. And that was just sort of like icing on the cake. And so I kind of took a little bit of a a step back from the clinical side of things just because I wanted to be able to go to Sacramento and take care of her. And so Exos made it so I could do um, uh, like more performance innovation team work and like behind the scene, we were doing a lot of onboarding education for this big military contract we had. So I worked on that and I had this realization that I was like over, I thought I was over clinic, like over being a clinician. And I thought I was, I was definitely over managing people and so I was, after my mom passed away, I was like, listen, I don't want to be the director of performance physical therapy for all the facilities anymore. Like, I don't want to manage people. Um, but I don't think I really want to go back clinically either. I think I'm over that phase in my life. Can I just fully transition to the performance innovation team? And they're like, absolutely. We'd love to have you part of it. But during combine, could you just help us out? And just help on the floor in Arizona and, and see clients. I was like, absolutely. Like that's all hands on deck. So no problem. So that year, 2014 combine was the, I did that. And um, it was the first time in like seven or eight years that my only job was seeing patients. And uh, mm-hmm. it like three weeks into it, I felt like I had my spark back a little bit. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is what I've missed. And this is what I'm really, really freaking good at. And I'm like, why do I not want to do this? And and so then I realized I actually used this book by my friend, well, now friend. I didn't know her then. Her name's Chantel Lopez. She wrote this book called like The Fulfilled and Successful Pilates Teacher. And um, huh. it was like a very uh, workbook type. Um, book that had me like laying out my core values and like just really like deep diving into like who I was and what really made me tick and I did it on a flight to Miami I was going to a continuing education thing and on that flight I did that work and by the end of the flight I had already emailed Mark for Sagan and I was like I need to talk to you when I'm back in town because I was like I need to quit because I knew Holy that smokes. in order to treat, to go back to being a clinician fully, I couldn't do it there any longer because a couple of reasons. One, once you go from being manager or director, it's hard to go back to being like staff because not, not mm-hmm. for any reason other than people are still going to ask you all the manager and director. Uh, so okay. you're still going to be doing that job whether you want to or not or whether you're getting paid for it or not. And then also I got to a place in my career that I was like diving into more osteopathic techniques and I was Mm -hmm. feeling like I was taking a turn that back when we were a company of 15 people, we would have all turned together. But when it's a company of 4,000, 5,000, it's hard to make a turn. And so it was like, I can't make the change I want to in my practice and still practice the Exos way full. And Mm I, and I, and, and they shouldn't have to make that change to accommodate me. It's Exos, not Anna Hartman Incorporated, right? So so (laughs) I realized like that I never thought it would come to that because I loved working for that company and it's an amazing company. But I was like, yeah, it's time. It was so clear that it was time to move on. And so I had that conversation with Mark and I was like, I don't know what I need to do, except I know I need to take a break because it's been a really hard couple of years losing my mom and and uh, I need to take some time off. And I realized too, like I'd never taken time off in my entire life since high school. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, you know, I want to stay connected if I can, but I just need time off and I want to do my own thing. And he totally understood. And he was, you know, obviously they were really sad to see me go, but he, he, he understood, he got it. And, um, and I also said, listen, there's totally. like 10 that have come here over the years that only come to work with me and they've expressed that they want to still work with me. Is that okay? And they basically gave me permission to do that. And, and of course it was still like, well, I still want them to do 
training there. Like it's a good thing. I don't want the athletes to not have that. So, you know, I still kind of collaborate with them on some of the athletes, but so basically I took some time and vacationed and kind of found myself, did a lot of self care. It took about eight months and I finally like found fun Anna again and was like, Oh my God, I remember this person. She was really fun and happy and had like so much like joy in life. And that was really lost when my mom was sick. And so once I found that, then I was like, okay, I'm ready to work again. And I found a space in town and I rented it and the athletes started to come see me. And then it sort of morphed into them being like, oh, well, now that you're not tied down to exos, can you travel during the season? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I started traveling with them. And now that's pretty much solely what I do is I, I'm a like a private consultant, athlete or trainer for professional athletes. And I travel to work with them and keep them healthy during the season or God forbid if they have a, a, a major injury to help them rehab and, and support them in any ways that I can. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's exhausting. It's Dude. super fulfilling. And I love like everybody I work with is like family. Some of them I've worked with for like 14 years. Some of them are new as, as those guys have retired, I've started working with their teammates and, um, it just sort of continually evolves. And a few years ago, it got so much travel. I sort of burnt myself out and realized, listen, a couple of these guys are going to retire. And I don't know if I want to replace them because this is so tiring. Oh. Figure out something else to do because I don't want to go back to like an eight to five job. And I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to stay working for myself. So what can I do? And over all the years that I would do education with Exos and, and just teaching in different um, forums across the world, people would always ask me, oh, do you take interns? Do you have a mentorship? That kind of thing. And, and I was always kind of hesitant about it. But then when I really looked back to how important mentorship was for me and education was for me in, in creating my career, I was like, you know, I need to, I want to give back and I want, but I want it to be something meaningful and long lasting and really create relationships with my students as opposed to just weekend courses. And so that's when I created the online mentorship program called Revitalize Mentorship. And I launched that this last year and it was like uh, a huge growing experience, but it, it, well, like exceeded that. my expectations and did not meet my expectations and that if that makes sense the response and the results people had exceeded my expectations but I had high expectations with how I would deliver the information and I did not meet that but it was also like eye-opening that I don't need all that fancy stuff to have an impact yes. like I have so much in my head and in my heart to offer people that it's like I don't need the fancy you know videos and stuff that just getting out there and like sharing it is worth its weight in gold and so just you know like as you say like just do the dang thing and so that's what I've done and so that's really what it's looking like now I I'm doing the mentorship I'm hoping to offer it twice this year and then I have more athletes than I can handle really from a travel and in town standpoint in San Diego I work with um, a lot of the jumping athletes down at the uh, uh, former uh, Olympic Training Center and uh, I also am teaching uh, as adjunct faculty at Point Loma Nazarene University in their Masters of Athletic Training Department so it's like I have so much on my plate that is never a problem <laughs> oh my gosh dude I am which is the best. I'm so glad that you're that we're doing this this episode. I, I told you before we started it that I was on a podcast the other day and it was hosted by two ATCs athletic trend. Do you guys call yourselves ATCs, ATs? What do you what do you call yourself? It's supposed to be AT, just AT. ATC is the credential, the okay, person. AT. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So I was, it was hosted by two ATs and uh the question came up, like, should I go back to PT school? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, and, you know, I told you, like, last night I'm, I'm laying there in bed and, like, you popped into my head. That sounds kind of weird. But either way, you popped in my head and I was like, dude, Anna is doing the damn thing as an athletic trainer and doing so many things. I think that your story is so incredibly inspiring because there's so many facets to it. 
whether someone wants to be more in the clinical side, whether someone wants to kind of pivot and do more of the concierge side, whether someone wants to, that to be more of the like professional athlete side of it. And then you have different types of athletes. You're not even just specifically with one type of athlete, whether someone wants to do more of the digital business side. You're doing it all and an amazing example of, of how someone can do it all. So quick question about that. Like, I don't, I, I'm not an athletic trainer, so I don't really know how it works. From like the legality side of things, like do you, is it state by state? Like, do you have to work under a doctor? Like what, what happens yeah. with that? So it's, it's a combo. So it is state by state. So you got to know what your state uh, laws are. Uh, California doesn't have any, so it's a kind of, in that sense it defaults to what our national code of ethics is, like you know, mm-hmm. as being a nationally certified, board certified athletic trainer. And in that, you are required to have a supervising physician. So I do have a supervising physician that um, it's not like he has to see me work, but he it mm-hmm. like, on paper is like Anna and I have a relationship gotcha you can call me at any time and get help and i trust all of her protocols you know like it's like agreed upon protocols for how to handle things that you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. um and do you that, have any recommendation for how to form that relationship i mean it's like forming any like it's like forming any relationship right it's just um connecting with as many people people as you can and like and finding so basically like the doctor I'm with was a doctor that I met while I was at Exos um and he happens to practice both in California and in Arizona so it was perfect to keep him as I California and um but even before that the original the doctor I had as my supervision position before that was a doctor I also met through Exos, but then I ended up doing an internship with him where I was just like, I said, can I come to your, like, observe surgeries with you? And he was like, absolutely. And I spent, like, maybe six to months to a year watching surgeries with him twice a week and going and being in the office with him once a week. And I just, you know, you could just create that relationship. So same way I did with the internships. It's just you reach out to the doctors. And we all, whether we realize it or not, we all have that connection with the doctor because chances are the athlete you're working with has seen a doctor. So you ask them, who's yeah. your doctor? And then you write them a letter or you an email or pick up the phone and make the phone call and introduce yourself. And then you say, can I, you just ask, can I come observe your office time? Can I take you to lunch? Can I observe surgery? Like, like every, like, That's I don't amazing. know. Like if the doctor says no, he's not the doctor you want to collaborate with anyway. <laughs> when people say it's hard to make those relationships i'm like is it like is it really i don't and me it's a i'm a little biased because doing relationships comes really easy to me like i'm a relationship person that's like my currency and and so to me making a relationship with anybody whether it's a doctor or an athletic trainer or a coach or a athlete those are that's the easy part of our profession to me and so, but that, but I mean, but it is necessary to have, and it is required to have, and most states have it as a requirement in our um, uh, practice act as well. So, I love how how like just easy you said that easily. You said that like that. Yes, I think that people in general we try to we, we create our own barriers, right? Because it's it's easier to give into the resistance than it is to actually do the thing. So we're like, oh, I have to have like a recommendation I have to have a relationship I have to have a script from a doctor whatever you know your profession requires and here comes Anna and she's like uh pick up the phone and then how can you even argue with that you're like oh oh okay (laughs) like (laughs) I love it this (laughs) so good and I I would love to talk to you go ahead I'm an introvert it's those things is like it even though I say it's easy and I'm good at creating relationships, sometimes the initial part of it still scares the heck out of me. Like I still get like butterflies and I don't like hearing no, but it like you, you just do it. 
Yeah, so good. Just giving you the real talk here. Annie, you had mentioned, I want to kind of pivot a little bit, um, although I know the same kind of theme is going to come up because this is just you, but you mentioned a little bit before that you had started shifting gears into the osteopathic world. And first of all, I love how you just, just like, you know, Exos couldn't come with me. I get it. And that's amazing. And then you took this leap and we're like, but I'm going to do it. Can you yeah. talk about what the heck the osteopathic world is, how you got into it and what you're doing with it now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, so years ago, um, I probably heard about it originally in like maybe 2012, maybe even earlier, um, from a a fellow physical therapist or fellow, a a fellow colleague, physical therapist, (laughs) Veronica Campbell. She's in Arizona. She used to kind of collaborate with one of our partners through Exos and, she said, Hey guys, like I'm learning this visual manipulation, like look at this. And she demoed it. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's cool. That seems cool. But I was, it was sort of like, eh, no, it's, it's not for me or it's not important at this point in my life. And then enter, um, Oh, it must've been before 2011 because then when my mom got diagnosed with cancer, uh, when they did a biopsy on her tumor, it happened to be a spot on her back that she had com- been complaining of pain and tightness literally since I was in high school. And wow. I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's the spot. Yeah. And I have like a ridiculously um, <laughs> strong memory, like photographic memory. Like, I remember everything. So it was exactly the spot she complained of since I was like, yeah. And, um, and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I started learning about lung cancer and all the symptoms of lung cancer, which are not many, but they're vague. And they're like shoulder pain, neck pain, finger pain, and like hoarseness of voice and a cough that changes and consistently see. And she had all of these, especially the shoulder pain, mm-hmm. especially the finger pain. And the doctor called it a rotator cuff strain, a finger arthritis in her finger, like he just kept giving her all these musculoskeletal diagnoses and she'd go to physical therapy and she'd never feel better. So she would just stopped going or they would just, you know, her yeah. insurance would run out and then nobody would ever follow up with her. And it was in that moment I was like, Holy crap. The industry that I am in has completely let her down. And yeah. sorry, <laughs> sorry, not no, 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 no. And it's like, oh, I don't ever want one of my athletes or anyone I know to ever have to go through that. Absolutely. And so I was like, I'm doing a disservice to my athletes, not understanding differential diagnosis better, not understanding what's happening on the inside. And so at that moment, I was like, I need to put this on my list of something to learn. And then the other thing was, as she went through her treatment and as she was dying I saw how her body changed in response to her lung collapsing and it was like Mm -hmm. whoa her alignment her posture like everything changed as it started you could see her whole body like hugging that lung like as it collapsed Mm -hmm. it was going into protection mode even more and more and I was like that's it like I can't I can't put this off any longer I need to learn I need to learn more and so um it was i signed up for a class and she passed away in um, september of 2013 and i took my first visceral class in december of 2013 and it just blew my mind and i had had back surgery in 2009 and still was having some pain on and off and after that first visceral class it was like i had no more back pain and i was like whoa (laughs) Holy cow. And I, so I just started, I'm like, when I want to learn something, I like just sign up for all the classes. Like I just put it all credit yeah. cards. Like it's not even yeah. complaining about Figure knowledge is so important to me to have. And so I've like, in those six years, I've gotten through all of the Baral Institute visceral classes, all of the neural manipulation classes. I've done a few of their advanced classes. You know, it's just, it's been it's changed my practice in the best ways. It's made the athletes. To, I was, I mean, not to be full of myself, but I was felt like I was pretty good before. But now I'm like, yeah, so not full yourself. Better, and now I'm so much more <sighs> so good. effective. And that's really what's allowed me be, to be able to travel with the athletes is the osteopathic 
technique blending it with this force medicine allows me to know exactly where in their body that their body needs me to work in order to let the body heal itself and so when i treat that area everything sticks so and one of my athletes this year he really i mean he said that he experienced it he used he used to when i first started working with him he was only working with me in the off season and then he had a really good season after working with me in the off season. So then the next year he's like, can you come see me every three or four weeks up uh, where I play in Seattle? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I did that for the first like three months. And after the third visit, he texted me after the next game and he said, can you come up tomorrow again? And I was like, sure, everything. Okay. He's like, no, I feel great. And I was like, okay. He goes and act- uh-huh. just plan on it every week. Like you do for your other guy. And I was like, sure. And so I asked him, I said, so if you don't mind me asking, why did you change your mind? And he said, because when you come to town and you work on me, he's like, you work on me Monday and I feel better all through the whole week. And even to the game on Sunday, I feel good. He's like, when you're not the weeks you're not here, he's like, I see other people for like cupping or massage or stretching or like mm-hmm. normal medicine treatment. He's on that kind of yeah, yeah, I feel better after treatment for like a day, but then I feel like I needed it again throughout the week. He's like, so one visit with you is worth like three or four visits with everybody else. And I was like, that's great. Oh, and man. I was like, that's, and that's how I like when I'm teaching, when, I, when I'm trying to sell the mentorship and when I'm trying to explain to people what I do and that my approach and why it works, I mean, that's it. Like, that's what I mean by effective and efficient is that you know, for every four visits for someone else, I just need one. Like, and, and it happens over and over again. And I don't think it's because I'm good. I think it's because I understand that the body is the smartest thing in the room and I let it guide me. And when you let the body Uh. do its thing, then you can't mess, like you can't mess up. Like it it is like fail proof. Body is way better at healing than I will ever be. And so I just, and that is like such an osteopathic teaching. And so I really do feel like the osteopathic stuff I have learned has made it that I can create a job like this where I travel to see people and know that they're good. Like I leave and I know they're good. I don't need to treat them, you know, for a week and, and they'll, they make improvements. And that's the other crazy thing is both him and the athlete that I have here in Nashville, I see they both expressed to me at the end of the season that their body felt good. The one in Seattle, he was like, my body feels better now at the end of the season than I did at the beginning of the season. And Dude, my last unreal. game, he's like, I have never felt like this. And I, I was like, yeah. And the athlete, that's here, unreal. I want you to work with my teammates because honestly I look at them and they look like they hurt so bad we're going into the the playoffs and he's like I feel great and I know they don't <laughs> I was like yeah isn't it crazy that you can actually yeah, feel good banged through, up during a football season so it's Damn, like such is, powerful like, work and I love it I can't I mean I it's just so, it's just tease this out for me some more I want you to promote yourself some more you've taken Years upon years upon years of schooling. So if you guys listening are PTs, you're in the movement world, whatever, and you, you hopefully have heard of Burrell, this is like the deepest stuff ever. Like, oh my God, like your head may explode. Yeah. And Anna's gone through, like literally, your head may just pop <laughs> off your body. Anna's gone through all of this. This is years and years of, school, of schooling. And you have distilled this into your own system but with this tied in with your musculoskeletal background your clinical experience your years and years of clinical experience just you inherently as a teacher this is all rolled into one thing as your revitalized mentorship can you talk about like what exactly that is you mentioned it earlier but like yeah i want you to like really talk about it yeah um well uh what it is it is it is like i tried to literally write down everything that i know everything that i could offer an athlete And I then kind of split it up into categories and I was left with like six categories of things. And I was like, perfect, six modules for my mentorship. And so I was like, this is the mentorship. And it basically is like how I blend osteopathic medicine and traditional sports medicine into an approach to efficiently and effectively make your practice better, like to, to change the athlete 
you know, to optimize that self-healing in the athlete and um, to also break down movement in a way that you can cue it and teach it in a way that is um, connects them into their fascial tensegrity and their stability without you having to talk about muscles <laughs> and um, like to just ah. be better at integrating the sensory um, system into movement, like valuing the fact that we are sensory beings and, and that, yes. you know, what makes us like when we're born, we cannot move. And then all of a sudden things just integrate themselves and then we can run and jump and throw. <laughs> and so, the baby how to do that and so like tapping into those like fundamental principles of what got us moving in the first place is actually the way that you can cue movement to connect into your fascial tensegrity and be really good movers and so i i obviously have a big manual therapy piece of the mentor or of like my approach and a, a big uh, piece around like resting and maximizing, balancing the nervous, the autonomic nervous system. And but then there's this whole teaching and coaching movement piece too, um, of like getting yes. people to understand first what good movement is and then how to coach mm-hmm. it. And that ultimately also comes down to that you have to feel it in your own body. And, yes. uh, and the benefit of learning that way is it forces you to also then take care of your own body. So it's like, and that's like mm-hmm. some of the stuff of the osteopathic thing too. Like if I don't feel good in my body, I cannot be present for the person in front of me because I can't get away yes. feeling all the pain in my body. If I can't get yes. out of feeling my body, then I can't feel their body. And so yes. in order to – so the mentorship is, is trying to um, teach that. So I have a heavy emphasis on like self-care, self-movement exploration in the mentorship program, along with actually like teaching the fundamentals of how, how you then coach it. Because I learned from the Pilates teacher training that like, if you want to teach movement science, like if you want to understand movement science and then be able to teach movement, teach it well, and even observe it, observe what good movement is, you have to feel it in your body. Like that is how the body operates. And like, that's why I love Jill Miller's quote, the body thinks and feels because I can't sum it up any better than that is our body is our body. Wisdom comes through movement and feeling. And, um, as a clinician, you can tap into that wisdom over the actual didactic education that's stored in your brain. It is so much more powerful. And, um, man this is so good and this is so and it makes like working with a person so much more fun because you can forget everything not forget everything you learned but you can trust everything you learned is in your head and you will pull from it when you need it and if you just pay attention to what you're seeing and what you're feeling from the person in front of you you'll know exactly what you need to do to help them be better and so that's what i try to teach in the mentorship Along with all the other little fun tips and tricks. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm trying to teach them to understand the connection between their body and their patient's body. And Dude. And I'm going to ask some like more like specific questions about the, the mentorship. But I have to I have to put this in there because you had it was amazing. And one of the, my gripes with like PTs and movement professionals who are in pain all the time, like. I love that you said, like, you can't listen to that other person's body if you're always listening to your own pain, if that's stopping you. Like, that is such a profound way of explaining it, besides the fact that I'm just like, no shit, you shouldn't be in pain all the time and then be preaching to other people, like, oh, rest and do this if you're not doing it yourself. But you, of right. course, being the master teacher and much nicer and more patient than I am, are like, that's that's so good, and Like, yeah. Oh. So it boils down to like, you can't be thinking about anything when your hand is on a patient. You need to only be feeling that patient. And that was something that um, one of the teachers in the Baral Institute, Ron Mariotti, um, he's one of my favorite teachers to learn from. He's a naturopathic doctor in Seattle. And he teaches, one of the classes I learned that was in the listening techniques class, which is basically like, practicing the evaluation technique of when your hands on somebody like paying attention to where you're feeling the, the, the restriction or the pull. And 
Mm-hmm. I was like having a hard time feeling it, which most physical therapists and athletic trainers do when they go to those classes because they're thinkers. Yes. And he, yes. Yeah, when you have your hand on the body, that is not the time to think about the anatomy. You are only paying attention to what you feel. If your hand is on someone, you are not allowed to think. And he's like, if you want to think, take your hand off of them. And so I'm like, okay. And so I put my hand back on them. And he's like, just describe what you feel. And in that moment, everything switched for me. I was like, oh my God, I get it. Like, I get it. Everything I know is in my head and always will be in my head. <laughs> and it's okay to think about the anatomy with my hand off. But when my hand is on, if I'm busy thinking about what the anatomy should be, then I miss what the anatomy actually is for that person. And that's it. Uh, But in order to trust your hand means you have to trust how your body is feeling. So you have to learn how to feel in your body. And that's how I teach the clinicians who take my mentorship. And that is how I teach the athletes who will learn from me too. Because they know better they will know what's better for their body by feeling what's best for their body than I ever will by telling them what's best for their body. And so that always trumps things. Like if we're doing something, I give them a cue and they tell me it doesn't feel right. I have them describe it. And then if it, if their description is like, clearly they're feeling better a different way. Then I'm like, okay, your way wins because you, your body is the smartest thing. Not me. Ah, so good. Anna, who is this for? How long is it? What's the structure of the, of the mentorship yeah. that is? Like, give me yeah, the details here. I mean, it's kind of for everyone in the sports world. That's a fair it's, answer. I like um, it. It's a fair so answer. When I like really niche down, it's for athletic trainers and physical therapists or like chiros in the sports performance healthcare space. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you an example, though, of all the people I had in my last cohort, it was physical therapists, athletic trainers at university level, at private clinic, um, one with a professional major league baseball team, one, um, a, a Pilates instructor that works in the neuro world, a, a personal trainer that um, is, is like kind of an every world, just really amazing personal trainer. So it's like I had kind of a little bit of everybody. Um, but there is an actual like evaluation piece. So it's helpful that if you, your skill set or practice act allows you to evaluate and treat, um, cause we do talk about that though. Mm-hmm. Plenty of Pilates teachers can take that information and then adapt it to their own thing or, you know. yes. um, but yeah, so it's, Dude. it's for, it's for that. It's for, um, people who want to, um, you know, be inspired and fulfilled by their work on a daily basis to avoid burnout and to feel more effective and efficient in their care of their athletes or clients and to put them to understand how, to quote another favorite, Rachel Brayton, that taking care of business is taking care of me. So like self-care, the importance of self-care. Yeah. And like is actually being a good mover and listener to your own body too and so um and um this year it's going to be four months and um it's uh all online though uh there's live it's i'm going to do it a little different this year that the um lectures and stuff are going to be pre-recorded and then every we're going to have a like a live q a discussion on the on them and um then Love it. You know, Facebook group conversation type work, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, um, that's it. so dang good. If they are interested, because I know they are, because I am, if they're interested, how can they find out more? How can they follow you? How can they contact you? Yes. Um, so, on Facebook and uh, Instagram, I'm at Movement Rev. So, Movement and then R E V. And um, if you follow the links or just go to movementrev.com forward slash links, you can sign up to be on the wait list for 2020. And I should be um, launching it soon. I probably will have it start either in uh, sometime in February or beginning of March. Um, so I should be okay. in the sales period here soon. It's usually about a month of sales leading up to the start of the thing. I'm a little bit delayed just because – uh, my athletes are still playing. In, in, in yeah, so, it's a good thing. And hopefully they'll be in the Super Bowl. So hopefully I won't do this, this, is, do this uh, until February. <laughs> 
Dude, so good. You guys listening, you know, those will all be in the show notes. If you can't find the show notes, Movement Rev. Go on Instagram, go on Facebook if you must. Everything will be there. You'll be able to reach out to her. You'll be able to find uh, her website. It's the same, just very good branding there, Movement Rev. Uh, And I will make sure, Anna, that this goes out before that date of things like uh, before it starts for yeah. sure um so this way you're still in that doors are open and people can at least get on the yeah. wait list yeah. uh, because wait this list. is freaking awesome. in the email list i i started actually doing consistent emails this year and sending out all the sharing all my secrets and i'm getting great feedback from people applying the work and having just as amazing magical instant changes in people's bodies so that's really fun to see Dude, this is. I got I got two questions. I'm looking at the time, so we're gonna wrap it up. But before I ask my typical like end of the podcast question, why do you think it is that people are so resistant to this type of work, where it just gets labeled as woo and you know hokey, when clearly it works, it's legit. What, what um, if you if you could because you've come from both sides of things you've been in the very like musculoskeletal sports performance side of it why do you think that there's that people are, are holding strong to their beliefs well there? because in general uh, well there's a couple of reasons but in general people over the years have lost that innate ability to be good feelers in their own body and so they get so driven by their thinking brain and like having all the knowledge in their brain and pulling from that they forget that you can actually feel a lot of things and I mean and that's that's the thing is if you look at the the science and the fascia and like how many receptors we have in our hands yeah can feel deep into the body because the thing is is like each of the receptors in our skin pick up a different type of sense right like pressure vibration Mm -hmm. or whatever each of the organs each of the contents within your body has a different quality that you feel so if you put your hand on somebody's abdomen and you feel a quality of like pressure um versus a quality of vibration or a pulsing like there's only so many yeah. organs or things that it could be. Like you literally are feeling that organ. Just because you're not right <laughs> on top of it doesn't mean anything. I always describe it to people like, um, <laughs> like if I put an apple and an orange under a towel and had you put your hand on top of the towel, you would know which one was the apple and which one was the or- yes. orange because they have very unique qualities feeling right. to your hand, whether the towel is on it or not. Same thing with all of our organs. And so it's like, it Damn. is science. It's not woo-woo at all. It's just I have really tuned in my hand to be able to feel those things. And it took me a lot of practice. It was very frustrating at the beginning. But then once I had that class with Ron and I like totally just let go of my thinking brain and believed like, yeah, what what the hell am I feeling? It, it, from then on, I was like, oh, this makes sense and it is science. And it's – I mean – it's so science. Like last night I was working on somebody and I did some lymph work on him and then they get some IVs, you know, like nutritional IVs and the guy was here to do IVs and the guy went to do IVs on this athlete who gets IVs like literally almost every day and he couldn't find his veins. And and he's like, and he's like, what did you do on them? Did you do something that would affect their like sympathetics? And I was like, yeah, I did lymph drainage, which is like super parasympathetic. And he goes, oh. That's exactly why I can't find the vein. All of his, all of his fluid and stuff has like gone back to his core. And I was like, "Whoa, that's really how the athlete described what he felt in his leg, and how I told him things happen." And like physiologically, we saw that response, like legit. Like that's wow. Not woo-woo. It, yeah. it happens. <laughs> this is you guys listening should be so freaking pumped about this, like. She's bridging the gap. She's she's bringing the, the science to what people call the woo because they aren't. I, I think you hit the nail on the head because when we're not good at things, we just write it off and we're like, oh no, it's fake. It can't be. And it's really just like, oh, it's my own insecurities, and I don't take the time to learn that thing and do that thing. Like this is phenomenal what you're doing, Anna. Like thank you for doing what you're doing. This is truly incredible. Like man, my, my mind is blown. If I got, I guess my my typical sign out question. Is there anything that 
you want to leave the people with that you haven't said I, I haven't asked you already um I mean in general like to understand that I mean yeah you got to take care of yourself first I, I learned it the hard way I mean we all sort of have to learn it the hard way but mm. that understanding that taking care of myself yeah not only is it good for me but it makes me a way better clinician like hopefully we all want to be the best at what we do and being the best is is has to always start with yourself and like taking care of yourself and doing the work in your own body experiencing the thing in your own body and trusting that the experience you're having is is like so much more powerful than anything you could ever learn in a classroom man so so good and so so good. I'm going to wrap it up here. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking like, this is the point if we were in a class that then they would open up the floor and then people would start asking dumb questions. So <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I would start doodling on my paper if I wasn't. Exactly. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to thank you for coming on. I, I know you're busy. You're freaking in Nashville right now, like on the road and still made time for this. So thank you. Truly, truly. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate all that you're doing. So thank you. My pleasure. Uh, you guys listening, thank you. I know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us. And for that, we are both endlessly, endlessly grateful. I am not going to ask you to, to subscribe. I'm not going to ask you to like the, the episode, the podcast, or like that. If you like this episode, if it resonated with you, I'm going to ask you to share it because this is a truly truly powerful episode on so many levels. I think there's something to be taken by every kind of provider for themselves and both so that they rather both for themselves and for their patients, their clients, their customers. So if you liked it, if you loved it, if it resonated, do me a solid and share it. would love to see that. All right, officially wrapping it up. Until next time, friends, Anna and Maestro, 